We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the second episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast, and uh, this is going to be a good one, Rob, a really good one. Uh, a legend got, is here. We got a legend on the line. Ted Valentine is here with us, and uh, 10 Final Fours, four championship games, Teddy. Yes. And uh, Ted, Teddy, TV Teddy, what, what, what do we call you? Well, let's see. My mother always called me Theodore when she was angry. <laughs> Um, my, uh, college students always called me Ted, um, never was called Teddy until the fans started going Teddy. Okay. <laughs> Teddy, Teddy. So that's where I got that from the fans. So, Hey, it is what it is. Who gave you a TV, Teddy? Uh, just happened to be, that's, a, that's my initials, Ted Valentine. So, I mean, uh, somebody was very, very creative. He's always on TV. So it's Teddy Valentine. So they start calling me TV Ted. So that's when I was younger, you know. Do you like it? Do you it? feel like you've, have you embraced it? Like, do you like it? Let me tell you what. It must be like, I must be one of those people that the more upset you get with me, the more I kind of just do my thing. That's <laughs> just how I am. I use all that, all, I take all that negativity and I turn it into something. You know, basically what I do. I mean, it's just that uh, I had to get over that at a young age because you always worry about what everybody says about you and everybody, well, I'm in a sport to you. They either love you or they dislike you. So that's just, I've, I've embraced it. It is what it is. I think that as I've gotten older, it has, sub, it has subsided a whole lot. Uh, now I always hear, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? When are you retire? When are you going to retire? <laughs> And uh, now is that other aspect. Um, I kind of embrace it more because the fans are more lovable now. I think uh, they're fans are a lot different than it was because this will be my 39th season, and fans are just they're just who they are. I mean, it's just I feed off of them. I do. I just feed off of them. <laughs> I mean, we can no, tell. Hey, we can tell, no doubt. <laughs> I just feed off of them. I mean, because they give me a lot of. They give me a lot of the vibe. I make faces now. I'm more, I more giggle and more laugh at them now, probably than whatever. It's not, it isn't too bad because I've learned about the fans. If you become antagonistic with them, they become antagonistic with you. So, 
it, it, it's got to be me. I get blamed for games that I didn't even work. Okay. I get blamed for calls other officials make. Now, all of a sudden, my past, I was an ex-educator. Now, it's always, they're always screaming at me, hey, go over and help him. Get him on the same page you are. I mean, it's like, I mean, but it's a, put it this way. I love what, I love doing what I do. I just love it. I always have. Ted, I've always wanted to ask you if you remember this, and I'm guessing you probably don't because, like you said, you've ref for 39 years. But my, my last year at Purdue, it's 2012. We're playing Indiana, and it's at Mackey. You're refing the game, and our, we're, we're losing by, like, four at the under-four timeout, and by, like, the two-minute mark, we're down 18. They've got, like, Oladipo. They've got Cody Zeller, and we miss a shot. And I knock it out of bounds, but I, I thought that maybe the other the other crew members with you are Mike Sanzier and Pat Driscoll. Okay. And Sanzier calls it Indiana ball, and I literally go crazy on him. And I, I probably deserve to get a technical, but as I'm walking away, you scream my last name. You go Hummel, and you literally. <laughs> I look back, and you're like, "You've been in this league a long time, and you're a hell of a lot better than that." And I felt like I let my father down. Like I literally did. I like it literally, right. I, I, it changed my mindset in the moment. And I'm guessing you don't remember it, but it has oh, yes, always it stuck with me. It's yes, always stayed with me the way, the way that you yeah. said that. Like right. just the, the respect that I have for you as an official, but also the way you, you worded it. I, I was like, man, I really let this dude down. Well, well. I think we're all represents our fathers in some way because uh, I represent mine because I'm I was his only his only child and he was a marine so it it is it, always I always carry that with me don't let my father down even though he, that he may be gone don't embarrass my name I mean don't embarrass his name and uh, I've always carried that and it was just always that you, you I can always recognize players because let's see when you've been around them if you've been around gene case players i've been around gene case players since uh since i came in the big 10 in 1986 yep. so i was always familiar with every player like matt painter uh big dog rock i was always familiar with all the uh, uh kwanzo uh, martin i was always familiar with all the good players i mean i was always was by their personality because their personality on the court always told me basically who they were as a person just about Ted, go back to when you first started to get into officiating. There was a story about you in Bristol, Connecticut, I heard. Yes, of a, of a, yes. Of an yes. ice cooler or something. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, I think, let's see, where was I? I was like 22 years old, I think. Yeah, 22. I just got out of college. I started teaching high school. In fact, I teach at the same high school. I taught the same high school that where Brad Paisley went to. Really? And uh, Cynthia Bissett, Lady Gaga's mother. So they were, so she was in high school with me. Brad Paisley was years after behind me. I mean, after me. Um, we went to Bristol, Connecticut. And back then, Bristol, Connecticut um, at ESPN, it was like a trailer, just about, um, that they had. And uh, we went to the camp to, to a private school under the instructor of J. Dallas Shirley. May he rest in peace. There's a manual, NCAA manual was named after him. Uh, a lot of great referees came through him. Jim Howe, Jim Birch, Lenny Works, Joe Forte. A whole lot of great referees came through the Southern. So I decided, well, I'm going to go to this camp, being a poor kid from West Virginia, that I decided, well, I, I go to this camp. And 
I was always was a sports oriented type person, very daredevil. She never was never afraid of anything, basically. And um, so we went to a break and we had a styrofoam cooler in the room, three of us. And uh, basically got to being Darren and whatever it is, nice sunny day. And there were just two gorgeous women. They were laying out there and they were sunbathing. And, and um, they said, well, you know, dare this. And we were going, hey, honey, and all this stuff. You know, this, you know, just young, immature people at the time. And so they probably dared, you know, the cooler of water. And they were just going back and forth. So I grabbed the cooler. I said, I'll do it. And I took it and took the, through the water out the window and hit these three ladies. Well, all the obscenities come flying back up and yelling. And we're behind the wall. We're laughing, you know, because I think this is funny, you know. Well, Lord behold, that if you know something about water, it leaves a trail down the wall. So uh, we go off break, and Mr. Shirley and the, and the head guy, headmaster of the place, big guy, had to be about seven foot tall, huge dude. And Mr. Shirley stopped all three of us going to class and said, young men, what did you guys do? And we're stuttering around and this and that and, you know, jamming around. And he said, before we before we get, get somebody start telling it, there's a water trail coming from your room, basically what he said. <laughs> so I kind of like wheezing my hand up. Yeah, Mr. Shirley, I did it. I'm so, so sorry. You know, I threw it. I threw it. And I had to apologize, and I apologized to the guy and his, and his family, you know. So uh, I was brought up the right way. Um, so Mr. Shirley told us in camp, he says, well, young man, I'm sorry, but you need to pack up and you need to leave. I said, what? He said, you need to leave the camp. So the guy I came with, he had a car, so he drove, so he had to leave the camp too because, because I had to ride back with him. So all the way back, he cussed me all the way back. I was younger than him, and and so um, in the that that summer, I'm sitting around, and I get a letter from the Southern Conference. I'm going, what you know? What's the letter for? So I open the letter up. It's it, it's a letter from J. Dallas Shirley, of Southern Conference, and says uh, you've been invited to join the staff of the Southern Conference. I said, what? I said, no, nah, this got to be wrong. This can't be happening. Well. Lord behold, so I happened to dial him up. And I said, Mr. Shirley, my name is Ted Valentine, you know, so and so and so and so. So I received a letter from you about going to Southern. He says, he always had a way of having a little father. He touches a young man. He says, uh, I felt that you deserve to be in, in the Southern. You got a long way to go to grow up. But if you're standing up and you, and you got some honesty and you got lots of honesty and a lot of integrity, you're the type of person that I'm looking for. And that's how I got in the Southern Conference staff. I wouldn't advise anybody to go out and do that anymore, you know, but <laughs> you don't think you know, but, but that's how I got into the Southern Conference at age 23 years old. And it's been going ever wow. since. Wow. Ted, I, I think the great thing about college basketball has to be like the fans. And whether you're in the Big Ten, the ACC, all the conferences you ref, you refed everywhere. Do you have a favorite place to call a game? Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. My first league game was at Mackey Arena in really? the Big Ten. Yeah, I was 26 years old, 930. They had, uh, I think, Gary Grant at the time was playing for Michigan, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I met Coach Katie, um, Kevin Stallings, Steve Lavin, all those guys. They were at, like, Purdue. Because 
I know because I lived in Columbus, Ohio, and I got there five hours for the game. So I basically was all excited, whatever it is, and I got there five hours for the game. It was my first time in the Big Ten as far as a, as far as a conference play. But Mackey, I always love Mackey because it's always it's a big floor, big big aprons, big sideline. You're not running into people. Um, I love Vanderbilt. Some people don't like Vanderbilt. Well, I love Vanderbilt because it's big. Coaches over your shoulders, so you know you got to get the play right. The coaches over your shoulders, okay? But I always love those places like Minnesota. I've always loved those floors. That you we love get. those elevated floors, huh? Yes, Where you're on stage. Why, and that's why I love them final fours because you're up on stage. And <laughs> it's either you perform or you don't perform or you go home, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. But I've always liked those arenas. I've always, I've always loved those places. Those were always my atmosphere. And I can say this, maybe because of Coach Katie, and that it's about Mackey. It is something about being in Mackey Arena that was just different. I just, I just l- loved it because there was one time that where they changed the time of the game. And I don't know if you were playing there or not, like Robbie, and they changed the time of the game. And I think this may have been Matt Painter's maybe first year, maybe first year coaching. And we got there late and we were dressing and I was the first guy to walk out on the floor at Mackey and the fans stood up and cheered. And I went to the middle of the court and I, and I bowed all four sides. Okay. <laughs> Everybody bust out laughing and Mackey's always been my spot. I just, I just always love the people. I just, there's something about Mackey. There's something about Minnesota. There's something about Vanderbilt. I'd rather work those places. Probably people talk about, well, go to Duke and all these other places. Yeah, that's cool. But it's just something about those other atmospheres. They have, they have more, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the right word probably use, but they have like more electric in them. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you go to Mackey, you get to see the see the you see the big mascot, and you get to see uh, the fans and the fans stand and cheer and fans yell. They wear the sea of they wear black and and I, I just I just always loved it. I just I I, I told Coach K that last week because I speak to him like maybe like once a month or whatever. And Mackey was one of my favorite places to go. It really was. So I get an update on the Gene Katie Ted Valentine. Golf standings, because I know that that's been well, something that that happens a lot. Yet. We haven't played yet because we were supposed. To, I was supposed to get together with he, myself, Tubby Smith, and um, um, who's my man there? Um, Cliff Ellis. So we were supposed to have a standing. We were supposed to have a standing game a few years ago, and I had a very very bad vertigo attack, so I couldn't play. So. Um, they called me at my house and and they was just ribbing on me. I'm mean, just ripping. Me. They just all three of them just ripped me to death, you know. But but I talked to talked to Coach Katie once every blue moon and and I haven't caught up with him because of the COVID. I mean, because I've been to Myrtle Beach and I see him like now and then. But I mean, but I always I always love enjoy I enjoy visiting them. I do. So all right, give me give me your craziest story with a coach that wouldn't let it go. Somebody that you got into it with on the court, maybe you teed up or whatever, you got into it with, and, and they, 
they followed you out of the arena. They're, they're, oh. they're, they're banging on the, the, the officiating door. Whatever yeah. it was, give me the craziest damn story ever with a coach. I'd say it'd probably be Bill Foster. May he rest in peace. He, he was a coach of Northwestern uh, the first year, first couple of years. And we could never get along. I don't know what the deal was. Because as I got older, I kind of thought I got a little better. He was just always on me, always on me, always. And one night he was at, he was at um, Minnesota, and I was with Sam Licklider, and I can't remember who the other person was. And this was a this was a Thursday, and um, game's over. He's getting beat by twenty something. So oh, he's got a motto: "Hey, man, kill him with kindness. Just get him out of here. Don't do anything to bring any attention. Just hey, here you go. Okay, everybody's ready to go to the press conference. Everybody got their old Easter speech prepared, and so." All of a sudden, I get two, three calls, and all of a sudden, I, I get this. Oh, that's a big call, Teddy Valentine. That's a big, he starts that clapping, that sarcastic stuff. And I'm looking at him going, you know, just looking. So now I make another call. Oh, yeah, another call. Now he does this like two, three times. Now the third time, he does it again. Now the game's in, and I'm going off the court, and I'm going, what's his problem? So, so I go down the steps, down the gopher hole, and he's behind me. Big Teddy. He's, I mean, I'm telling you, I thought maybe, you know, we, we might have to do something here, you know. So, <laughs> so at um, even Robbie would know that we make the right at the at the at the uh, at the arena. They make a they go right straight into the locker room, basically. And I'm got smoke in my ears about Bill Foster. I'm going, what's this damn guy's problem? What's this dude's problem? So Sam Licklider goes to me. He says, "He says uh, I'll see you Saturday because we're at Michigan State." And that's when Judd Heathcote was coaching Michigan State. This was before Tom Izzo. So I'm going, "Where are we?" He says, "We got Northwestern at Michigan State." Oh no! Okay, I said, "Ooh, that's bad <laughs> schedule." Okay, so now I show up and we're in a new place and we go shake hands. And he gives me this fishy handshake because he doesn't know I'm a communication person. He gives me this fishy handshake and smoke coming out my ears. And I yelled at Sam Licklider. I said, Sam, it's on. (laughs) (laughs) It's on. That's that renegade in me. So now we stand. I go across the court and I don't, I can't remember who it was, but the ball goes up and the ball goes out of bounds and, and nobody doesn't know who the ball goes off to start the game which is pretty bad. And all of a sudden, Bill Foster gets up. He goes, the same two guys I had on Thursday. Okay? So I'm going, what in the world is Bill's problem here? So now we're in the game going up and down, and all of a sudden, Bill decides he's going to start the first five minutes. He says, Teddy, he says, you were MIA the other night. I said, what? He says, you were MIA. I said, come on, coach, just go. We don't want to go down this road. Now he keeps on going. Now his staff starts staring at me. I'll go, oh, I see how these guys are going to play it. Okay, they're just staring at me. I'll go, oh, okay, bad bad move, boys. So I'm going up down, trying to be my patience. He's on the road. And all of a sudden he said, you didn't respond to what I told you. I said, what was that? You were MIA. I said, okay, coach, I got you. I got you. So finally something happens and somebody does something and I turn to him and he he goes crazy about something. I turn around and go, what? Technical fact. Bam. He said, must just get over with. He goes, 
Oh, Mr. Big Shot, I said, Coach Foster, if I was MIA on Thursday, I got me a POW today. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> and I turned around, of course, I got a phone call for that one, too. <laughs> but, but he was probably one of those guys that just always had a way to irritate me. But as he got through his career, as he got as, – as I got around him a little longer, I got a chance to know him because there was one night he took his glasses off and put them in his pocket and turned to me and says, uh, says, uh, says, I got my glasses in my pocket, is what he told me. So I read over to him, I said, and I talked to him in time, I opened his lapel up, I says, you know what, I like the better we had Mr. Magoo on your eyeballs. And after that, he and I got along real good. You know, I mean, it was just one of those things, it was just one of those guys I had to find a way to warm up to. I think if we're talking about crazy coaches, this is a good time to maybe talk about Bobby Knight. I went back and watched the three texts from 98. My, I already had a high level of respect for you just from being around you, from calling games you've done, from playing games. But did, that place was totally up for grabs. Can you just talk about what that was like? Well, it was always this thing that when I was a kid, my dad used to tell me, and I've got to tell you this story first to get to that one. I had the Fab Five when I was young, and my dad came to the game. He was a Marine, and I was so – you know how it is when your dad comes and you're going, oh, my dad, and you start looking around the ring like, where's my dad? Where's my dad? You know? Mm-hmm. And the first time my dad ever seen you ref, and I lived in Columbus, Ohio at the time, and the Fab Five was playing at Ohio State. And I'm waiting for my dad, waiting for my dad, waiting for my dad. Of course, he rolls in there late, and they put him on the, they put him on the front row at Old St. John's Arena. So I ref and I'm smiling, my dad, you know, now, you know, my dad's here. Okay. I can't mess up now, you know? So the first time you get any money, like in your life that you want to show your parents, Hey, I, Hey, you've helped me, but I can help myself. So I took my dad across the street and took him to dinner and we're sitting there and my dad never said anything. He was a Marine. He'd come watch play sports. He never said hardly a word, but if you asked the old school, they were going to tell you and you wasn't going to like it. So I asked my dad, I said, dad, how did I do? He says, you want to know how you did? I said, yes, sir. He goes, you're not mentally tough enough. My father looked at me and my heart went right to my feet. You're not mentally tough enough. You got that baby. Because I came into the league, I was 26 years old, baby face looking kid. And and my father says, you're you're just not mentally tough enough. He said, "They'll they'll, they'll run you over. And then he went on back to drinking with her, didn't get real quiet. And I went home and had my tail between my legs. And, you know, I couldn't believe my dad said that to me. Now we go back to the Bob Knight thing. That night, it was one of those things that as I came through my career, I was basically wasn't afraid of anybody. I just never had been afraid. Just, just always just been, I mean, that way. Because when you grew up underprivileged, what's afraid? You don't know what afraid is. You know, you're, you're afraid you might not eat. You're afraid you might you might not have a house. You're not afraid you might not have a bed. So I was never afraid. And so a lot of people don't know when I was coming into the league, I was to coach Knight used to have this fishing, fishing uh, show. And I would write him letters about fishing because I used to fish. And he brought me back a letter. Yeah. And uh, he, He's had these fishing shows, and, and the first time I got around him, I go, man, this guy's a big intimidating dude, and and he intimidated me at first when I first met him, because I because I'd be within the crew, and and they would and the crews would change, they'd be like, 
Yeah. Calling these. He's chains. really tall too. He is a yes. tall person. Like oh, he's... he had that fiery red sweater on, yeah. and, and he was always yell and scream and and if I was with the crew, the crew the crew dynamics would change. It would change mm-hmm. because when he yelled, all twenty three thousand people would just get quiet. Shoot, they shut down so they could hear what he would say. And I'm going, oh man. And so the first time I came across him is playing Montana State. So I had to learn a little bit because I had a guy named Bob Wortman told me, he said, when you ref, you need to learn the opposition. And my dad used to tell me, you need to study and learn people along your journey because you're going to, there's something in that, in that picture that you can use to help you down the road. So, so Coach Knight comes out, he's got this, and then I'll get back to the Bob Knight thing. He come out with this, they're playing Montana State, and he comes out with this powder blue sweater. Coach Knight wears powder blue sweater. He, has, he actually had the colors because he liked the coach. So I'm in the game, and the other two guys I'm with, and they had made fun of me the night before because they said, wait till Coach Knight get a load of this young dude, you know. So I'm out there, and I'm reffing, and Joe B. Wright's on the bench and all that stuff, and I'm trying to be real quiet, you know, I'm trying not to say anything, trying not to do anything wrong, trying not to get just no attention job. to me. Yeah, just do your job. That's yeah, it. just try to get out of here. This is my first year in the Big Ten, and all of a sudden he turns, and I said, uh, come on, come on, White, come on, White. In fact, Steve Alford was playing for him. Steve Alford was playing. And I said, come on, White, come on, White. He cut like a little cheerleader. Come on, White, come on down. And all of a sudden I hear, I hear, he turns around to me, excuse me, my friend says, God damn it, they'll be there. And he just kept, he kept saying it. So I tried to force myself again, shake him, going, I said, God damn it. I said, they'll be there. So I kind of kept, I said, well, he's either now or never. So I kind of forced the issue. I just kept forcing it. So they come out the huddle and he had to, he always had that, he always had something in his mouth or something, and he, and he always had them big black shoes. He always had them black shoes on, okay, because I always remember everything, you know. So all of a sudden, he yells. He goes, who in the hell's yelling about? I said, right, right here, Coach. You got to bring him out. Well, I'll bring him out when the hell I want to. I said, well, Coach, you got to bring him out, okay? And so so finally, he kept on talking, and I, and I got him down the ball in front of his bench, and I'm going, and I'm kind of like holding the ball, but I'm kind of like shaking a little bit. I said, oh, man, this dude here, man yelling and screaming at me and all of a sudden I, I start calling him sir yes sir yes sir yes sir yes sir yes sir yes sir i just came sir and all of a sudden he turns to me he says god damn it you don't call me sir <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so now i'm going up to the road and he and he says and he turns to me and excuse my friend he says you call three tight people sir lieutenants colonels and is what he says and he turns to Joe B. Wright. He says, Joe B., I don't see him calling you, sir. Okay? So that was my first impression of meeting Coach Knight up close. Well, all the years that I had Coach Knight, it was always be some interesting rhubarb because with, with him back and forth. Sure. Uh, because I basically knew most refs were afraid. They were basically intimidated because I'd see him over talking and yelling at him, and next thing I know, I'd watch the next three whistles. I, I, I used to watch. I'd go, oh, hell. But he would basically would yell and scream and intimidate. But but I studied him. When the games were close, he didn't say much to you. When the games got wide open, that's when he would go. So I basically learned him over the years. 
You know, I tested him all the time. You know, I'll go, okay, let me find out what this guy's about. He's about on the road, he'd be real nice, you know, and we could go back and forth at each other, you know, and I and I'd go and I'd go back and forth. And back then he was making this uh this NutraSweet commercials. And we got in a conversation one night and I had and I reached in my pocket. I said, Well, since you're showing your sweeter side of yourself, I'll show you my sweeter side. So I reached in my pocket and pulled out one of the Nutri system packs and put it right in his hand, you know, whatever, and he started laughing, Oh, you got drugs, whatever. But but I kind of like was trying to feel this guy out because I'm going, shoot, I'm going to be around this guy a long time, okay? Because he, he was a very intelligent guy, very sharp. And so which, to answer Robbie's question, most of that situation went back from the 1992 Final Four when he played Duke, and I was involved in the situation. Um, I was in a, in a game with a ref that was afraid of him, and I whacked him, bam, in the Final Four, whack, boom. And it was always one of those things that every time that I'd, that I'd see him, it was always something from him. It was always something. It was always this venomous, this anger. It was always this After anger. that, Ted? After, yes, after that final four game, it changed? Yes, because I started seeing the way he was, he was being. He was start coming at me more. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. There's something wrong with this guy. And he just kept – I don't think he ever let that 92-5-4 go. I don't think he ever let it go because that was the last time he was in the final four, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't think he ever let it go. And I think that I was in the middle of it. And I basically think that, uh, that the way he came at me that night, that he threw every left, every right, every jab that he wanted at he me. emptied the clip is what he did. Yeah, he tried to, but, <laughs> but, but it didn't work. Okay. Because I basically, I basically understood him. You know, I basically understood because I got angry at him at my mistake, the first the first technical foul. I got angry. I went and huddled and whacked him the first one. Went right in his huddle. Did you? It, 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 it was like a street fight. I said, the hell with you. Here it is. Right up your ass. Here it goes. Okay? So after that, I kind of like subsided, and I got cool. I got real down. I got down. I said, okay, now – Cause he, cause he showed his venom and I never showed no anger cause I was always talking to, but when I went in this huddle and whacked him at his place, I meant business. I mean, it just wasn't going to be his, wasn't going to be his way. And so, so like through the course of the game, he kept coming at me and kept coming at me and kept coming, coming at me, and kept coming at me. The more he came at me, the more I kind of like, okay, bring it on. Okay. That's the way I was like, okay, here I am. Uh, but I basically, basically went within myself got real quiet, real calm, because if you know anything about a per about a rabid person, the calmer you get, they'll make a mistake, okay? And and he thought he could intimidate me, and he walked around me at halftime and walked out the court, and the crowd was yelling at me, and and uh, was yelling, and people were throwing money, and really? and uh, and by then, I told the other two guys, because some refs have a tendency, when something goes on, they want to try to hug up the other people, okay? Walk off. Hey, I walked off. I waited till they left, and I walked off all by myself. And then I'm yelling, scream. I took my time, you know. And, and I was the first one to come, the last one to come back out. So I basically knew where the situation was going to go because I knew he wasn't going to let it go. I basically knew he had bullets for me. And then, then he came at me again. And then, see, a lot of people don't know. The rule was he was only supposed to call two texts. I gave him three because it was one of those things that where 
it was an unfortunate situation because the spring load of of the basket they went down, and it was unfortunate that the rules changed since then because of that. And then I go to the other end. Well, here he comes. Like you know, like you know, does the same thing again. And I just stood there and let him talk. And see, the first time he came at me, I saw him out of my peripheral vision, and I had my arm up to my side of my face. And I'm going, this guy, this is a wrong this dude, okay. And when he got closer to me, he thought he was going to try to bump me, but I took my arms and I switched arms. Is basically what I did. So I mean, so so actually, he doked him on the floor. Well, that's because he's playing checkers, and I don't play checkers, you know. I can laugh about it because I know you guys. So 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 two T's. Wait, wait. So two T's isn't you're thrown out. We yeah, have two. You're gone. Oh. But but when he came at me again. You hit him with a third. We wouldn't leave. He had to. When he cussed me again, I went back to another one. I did. I gave another one. I'll never forget that because I remember forget Tommy O'Neill goes to me. He goes, Ted, now you know the rule. I said, (laughs) forget the rule. I said, this is exceptional. I'm going to accept the rule. Okay. So, so I remember the crowd was throwing money. (laughs) They were throwing money all over the place. It was a free for all. From watching the tape last night, it was a free for all. But to tell you what, but, but, but it was the calmest I ever been. I was real calm. Like they were throwing money, and I was picking money up. Okay, I was picking the money up, and and the crew chief on the game wouldn't do anything because he was scared. So that's Eddie Hightower. <laughs> okay. So so I was picking his money up. I was picking the money up, and and Tommy comes to me. He says, says Teddy goes, uh, we're going to shoot two shots. I said, oh no, we're shooting four shots. <laughs> and Tommy starts laughing. He goes, you got to be. I said, we're shooting four. I said, if I call him, we're shooting four. Okay. So, 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 so Tommy O'Neill's kind of snickering. Okay. He goes, boy, I ain't never seen no shit like this. Okay. <laughs> so, so I went to the score table and I carried all the money and I put the money on the score. And I had a handful of change. I put it down on the court on the thing, but nobody wouldn't go to the PA guy and make the announcements. So I said, well, you know what? What the hell? My dad's Marine. I'll take over now. And I told the guy, I whispered in his ear, I says, if you're going to throw money, if you're going to throw money, Please throw more than a penny. That's what I told the guy. Okay. So I said, no, 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 you can't say that. Okay. But, but I had a smile on my face. Like, yeah, ain't no big deal. Okay. So, um, so, um, so we went out the arena and, and, uh, my man Tommy O'Neill was going, by the time we got in the car and we had a few drinks, a couple people, Tommy going, Neil going, I ain't never seen no shit like that. I ain't never seen no stuff. Like he says, you were a one man wrecking ball. Okay. He says, he said, you were just, uh, uh, fearless you know i said i said hey we're in the jungle i didn't get your help and get eddie's help so what the hell okay so but i was a one-man wrecking ball but a lot of people don't know the next night i went to notre dame i'll tell that story on top of that so i go into notre dame and it's john mcleod and they're playing john thompson john thompson was like a father to me so i go to notre dame and the crowd boos from the time the game starts. The crowd boos. Okay. I'm just kidding. The crowd starts booing. And Mike Tirico and um, Mike Tirico and Lynn Elmore, they're going, Teddy, 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 how was it last night? I said, well, I'm here tonight. We'll see what happens. Okay. Because I'm just one of those dudes, <laughs> you know. Because Art Hodden used to call me the Black Mamba. That's what he used to call me. He's on the court. I got the Black Mamba. You know, Art Hodden used to call me that. So um, I go shake John McClown's hand and, the people at Notre Dame, the scores table are looking at me like, like people are always looking about looking at you like if you go through something tough or how are you gonna be? 
That's how everybody looks at you. So I go to shake John Thompson's hand. John Thompson going, John Thompson, may you rest in peace, goes, what in the fuck is wrong with Bob Knight? <laughs> so, so I said, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, he goes, he can't hurt no Negro. Okay, that's what, that's what John Thompson says. Okay, so now I'm, I got like, I said, well, Coach Thompson, if I was you, I wouldn't get too close to the fire because the iron's still hot. That's what I tell you. It's like a history story. So now, so now we're out there and we're rapping. And Notre Dame people, they're on me. They are on me. So Pat Garrity played for Notre Dame, and he started acting up in the Georgetown game. I whacked him. Bam, here we go. Okay, we're in another role now. Here we go, another game, another role. So later in the game, Bubacar Allen Hickey gets into it. So they square up, and Bubacar Al gets ready to draw back and throw a punch at Hickey, and he misses, and Frank Scagliata runs in the middle of the play and gets hit in the nose, gets knocked out cold, out. Frank Scagliata got punched by Bubacar Al, laid him out. The crowd, you can hear the crowd. I'm talking about he hit him, knocking him off his feet and everything. And I'm the trail, and I went, oh, my God. And I'm the crew chief, and all of a sudden I went, Skaggs is down, the place is bedlam. So now I got another double double tech on Bubakal and Hickey. We got now I got now I got now three more techs. Okay, You've given seven techs in two nights. That, yeah, that has right. to be a record. So now I turn the score table and I'm going and John McLeod's going, Ted, Teddy, threw a punch. And Franny McCafferty is assistant coach in Notre Dame then. I said, Well, I gotta go to the monitor. Well, before the monitors got to be real good back then. So I went to the monitor, so we're Bubakar went to throw the punch with a guy with the camera, takes the camera and slings it so we don't get it on tape. So, so Skaggs, the um, trainer, Lori's getting up. She's getting, she's snapping off these castles. He's smelling salts, trying to revive Skaggs. She, she's actually, you know, reviving with these smelling salts. <laughs> we see Skaggliata asking. That was so funny. So now I'm trying to find this play. Can't find it. Notre Dame's going crazy. Teddy, do a punch, do a punch. And so, I'm going, shit, how am I going to get out of this? It had to be the last Big East game of the year. And all of a sudden, I go down to Thompson. I says, uh, Coach Thompson, I got bad news for you. Bubacall's got to go. He says, go for what? I says, because he threw a punch. <laughs> so he goes, motherfucker, he ain't throwing a punch. So I said, Coach Thompson, Bubacall's got to go. I said, he's gone. So Thompson all of a sudden starts going crazy. And I look up at Notre Dame and I point. I go, well, I'm certain I am climbing a crow's nest and go find their videotape. Okay. I said, now I got something for you. If you just go along with him, I said, I'll tell you what. Tell him to go to the locker room. I won't call it a fight. And he can play in the Big East tournament. Okay. All right. So now Thompson goes, that's the best shit come out of your mouth all night long. Okay. So now he goes, so. He tells Bubakal, he says, get your black ass in the locker room. So Bubakal gets up and runs. He just runs in the locker room. And, and so uh, Skaggs, they're trying to revive Skaggs, okay? And Thompson picks, puts both hands on Skaggs. He says, Skaggs, Skaggs, you okay, Skaggs? <laughs> Skaggs says, yeah, coach, I'm fine. He goes, sure. Well, Skaggs, you sure can take a punch, okay? <laughs> so now Tariko and Len Elmore's rolling. They're waving arms over to me. Teddy, come over here. And they both of them got this look on their face. They go, damn, Ted, you've been in Indiana 24 hours, man. It's a tough place. I go, I go, if I was you guys, I'd get the hell out of here, too. <laughs> but every time I see Lynn Elmore, he always brings that up, you know, about, I mean, about that night. I mean, that's one, two adventurous nights I had in a row, back-to-back nights. It was back-to-back. It was like. It just that is incredible. Ended. 
It was just, but in that in that Indiana bedlam that night, that place was bedlam. It was. it was totally. It was totally, totally, and that place gets loud, and it's it gets crazy. It was, so it's it was, just it from was, watching the videos. It was it nuts. was bedlam. It was crazy. It was. It, it's one of those things I've never been in the middle of, like in my life. I mean, I thought I. Was, I mean, I mean, I've been on playgrounds. It was tough that that night. I mean, them, those people, mm-hmm. it was unbelievable. I mean, they were just. They were just unreal. <laughs> but every time I see Lonnie Kruger, he always goes, he always goes, Ted, if we ever go into battle, I'll take you with me. Okay. And, and yeah, and that's a Lonnie Kruger. Always he tells everybody a story. Lonnie Kruger tells it better than anybody. He says, I've never seen, I've never seen a person single handedly demolish somebody. He says, I've never seen, I just, I've just never seen it. But, uh, but, but a lot of people think that, that I had something against Coach Knight. I never had. A, I never had it against Coach Knight. I never had. A, I never had anything. I mean, um, I'm friends with Coach Katie. I always knew when Purdue and Indiana played. I always knew how it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Basically, knew. You know, um, I've worked that rivalry several several times. They were just very competitive people, and it was just. It, it was one of the it was, it's one of the greatest rivalries around. I mean, especially when they had good teams and they really got after it. I mean, yep. coaches didn't like each other, and you do it in a handshake. That's just the way it was. And you had to go ref the game, and if you were weak, oh man, they would tear. Man, Coach Katie, them guys would eat you up. I mean, if you were weak, if you were a weak person, they they would eat you up. I mean, they would yep. just they just would. I mean, but I've seen that Indiana game. I bet you. Over and over and over and over. The only thing I'm pissed off at myself is I should have threw him out sooner. That's what I should have did. NFL football continues this week, which has had a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how much the schedules change or players that play or sit out, uh, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You know, you gave I mean, but it was well worth it. It was drawn out though. It, it wasn't like a. It wasn't a bang, bang, bang. Like no, no. there was a lot going on though. With like Luke Records, like laying on the floor, yeah, like injured, and like. But, like, there's so much going – you need to watch the clips. Yeah, oh, I've seen the clip. I try to separate myself. Like, oh, my I, goodness. I try to separate myself from it. I was in a spot that I couldn't get out of, and it was just one of those things that uh, – I mean, that yeah. – see, but people don't know. At halftime, he came back at me again <laughs> at the start of the second half. And and I was down stretching, and I looked down at his feet there, and, I'm, and I look up, and he's up over me yelling and screaming. And I went – I kept telling myself – don't stand up. Don't stand up. If you stand up, they, then it looks like that I'm trying to be the aggressor now. Right, so yeah, I'm kind of right. like, okay, well, all right, I'll stay down here. And and then so he just kept on going, and he just kept he just kept he just kept messing with me. He just and finally I said, you know what? I had enough of this shit. You know, it was just enough. It was. It was. It was one of those things. But but uh, but people used to tease me. They go, what were you thinking about out there with Coach Knight after you? I said, well, I thought I was in Vegas. And you always bet on black is what I told him. 
I got a good sense of humor about the whole thing. I still have a sense of humor. I just do. But a lot of people they think, well, you know, this guy's scow. This guy's this guy's okay. Yeah. That that that's one that we can laugh about a little bit. The the, the next one a couple of years ago, the the deal with Joel Berry, um, when you turned your back on him. And Joel, listen, Joel might be as good a kid right. as, as we've dealt with. Uh over right. Certainly, I have from a reporter's standpoint over the years. Doesn't right. say he doesn't say shit. Right. right? And you turned your back. It, it got it. It was a big thing. It was huge. What well, happened, and how did that change you, Ted? Well, let me tell you what. I grew up. I'm old school. And when somebody tells you stop, you stop. That symbols that. That's just how I grew up. Yep. Um, I used to don't have much interaction with the kid. Um, because of situation that I look at, that I've seen it over and over. Number one, Joe Barry was a good kid. Two, I get along well with this coach. Get along with that coaching staff so well. Um, three, I didn't know what the kid was talking about. Because the play, people think I missed the play, and the play was in the, it was up in the backcourt. Well, with with the way the situation was and the game was going on, Joe Barry had been complaining the whole game. Really? See, a lot of people don't know he was complaining. Coach Williams knew he was complaining. Okay? So, Joe Barry and I always got along. We used to hug the kid, do it, do all the time. And this one situation that when the play happened, and the way he kept running at me, he just kept running at me. So, I put two hands up, like, stop, stop, you stop. Okay? And the game ended up 81-80. The game was real good. This was around the, around the four-minute mark. Great game. Okay? And I'm going, I don't want to call technical foul here. But a, a younger official would have teed him up. I'm just telling you. Yep. He would have whacked him. Yep. Okay? And so, Joe Barry, with the way that my optics were, I turned my back on him. But I turned my head. I turned my back on him. He takes the ball. He slams it down. So, I go, okay, we're even. I went, okay, I, I get it. So, but Roy Williams during that whole sequence never said one word. Roy Williams didn't say one word, didn't say anything. So now Joe Barry comes back over, which nobody doesn't see this. Everybody just sees me turning my back on the kid. That's all everybody saw. That, that, that's all they see. And, and this is about refereeing. This ain't got nothing to do with what you, you uh, that how you handle somebody. Okay. So he came back and he said to me, and I'll never forget it. Mr. Valentine, I want to apologize. I said, Joe Barry, no, I need to apologize. I don't know what happened up there. I said, all I know is we're in a tough game right here. It was a tough game. And I said, um, um, I'm sorry if you felt like that, that you got fouled and nobody got it. And me and the kid, people don't understand on the videotape, me and the kid patted each other. Put the ball in play. We rolled on. No big deal. Roy Williams never said one word didn't say nothing okay so we're in the game and we're going up and down the game ends up 81 80 well all of a sudden my phone started blowing up you can't turn your back on a kid you can't i can't think what's now you can't turn your back on a kid i turn my back on my own damn kid what the hell are you talking about okay so so i get so when i saw it i went well, what's the big deal so acc Paul Brazos know me for years because he was with Gary Williams' assistant at Ohio State when I came in the Big Ten. So I've known him and Rick Barnes, all them guys. And so Braz tells me, he says, Teddy, it's no big deal. He says, I understood what you were doing. 
maybe how you did it, people didn't understand it. But I'm glad you didn't call a technical foul either because you said you did put your hands up. That ruins the game. That t- yeah. If you call tech, it ruins the game. Oh, yeah, it messes the game up. And, yeah. and so I'm going, okay, but now I get all this, I get all this stuff, you know, all this crazy stuff, you know, from, the, from another league and all kinds of stuff. So, my, so I see Roy. I don't see him again until like January the 20th or something like that. And I asked Paul Brazza, I said, Braz, is it, should I go back and talk to Carolina? He said, no, Teddy, we're all good. He says, everything's all good. He says, trust me. He says, Roy understands. So when I go to Carolina, I see Roy. So I go over to Coach Williams. I said, Coach Williams, can I talk to you a minute? He said, yeah. I said, I never realized that my optics was really that bad on kid. Yeah. And I said, you're old school. I'm old school. I said, I was always taught when an adult tell you that's it, that's it. Case closed. Okay. You've got to learn how to talk because that's how I was brought up. And he says, Ted, I said, I want to apologize to you. And, and Roy looks at me and says, Teddy, we're good. He says, trust me, we're good. We didn't say anything at Carolina. So I said, well, can I talk to Joe Barry? He says, sure. So I go out and I see Joe Barry in, in, in the captain's meeting. And I tell Joe Barry, I said, Joe Barry, I said, I want to apologize to you again. I said, you need to understand. I said, one day when you get to be 60-something, you get those senior moments, too. <laughs> Going on. And the kid laughed, and I hugged the kid. And I said, I want to apologize. So I hugged the kid, patted the kid, the fans, started clapping everything up. We just rolled right on. It, it was no big deal. Um, you know, like Jeff No, I, I, I think it's a – I didn't think the punishment that I got was – it was deserved over that because the game is based on refereeing. That's how the game is based on. If you blow a call, blow a rule, bye, go home. I get it. Okay. And I kind of like took it personal because the year before I was in the final four and now I wasn't going to be in the tournament. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like really bothered me. And, and I had, and I admit, I went back to refereeing. I was on edge. Basically, you know, I, I was on edge with announcers. Yeah. Didn't want nothing to do with nobody. I was basically like on edge. I, I mean, I was basically, you know, waiting for somebody to say something to me. I was, it, it, I mean, just the way the punishment didn't fit for the situation. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, because well, like the reason said, why if was that pissed off. That's one thing, right? If, if, but you're right. The problem, the problem that we see in so many of these situations is one snapshot. Right. Snapshot is, listen, I've had DeMarcus Cousins come at me in the past when, I, when I've criticized him and him saying, yeah. you're criticizing me. This was when he was Sacramento. And he would say, how many Sacramento King, Kings games do you see? All you right. see are highlights. You see right. one snapshot of what I do. Now, again, the cases aren't the same, but I'm right. saying you're seeing one snapshot of you turning around. Right. We have no idea what led up to it. We have right. no idea what followed it. Right. Right. That's right. But, but that's the media because we can, we can take a still on pictures every time that we want to. So, but since I've gotten older, I've learned not to frown because I came in like a grizzly bear. I learned not to frown. I learned to try not show no emotion. I do. I, I learned that somebody will take it and they'll take it the wrong way. 
Okay, even though you're in a highly emotional sport, and so I just learned to. It has taught me actually. It is basically has taught me, and I had this conversation with the higher ups, even you know, like in the league, and they tell me, "Hey, we need you to do your thing." That's what everybody tells me: do your thing, because they know that's one less phone call they're going to get. Okay, because somebody's got to run what's going on out there when it happens. Okay, so. I've had to learn to adjust a whole lot. I've had to learn how to, how to like adjust when things get tough because sometimes, because I want to, I want to revert back to some ways that is, that's probably not conducive to the way society is now because mm-hmm. I see it with my granddaughter. She's 10 and she can mouth off, you know, and my daughter didn't grow up that way. And, and I jumped back. I'm going, I can't believe that, you know, but I've had to learn to adjust, but, but I've told higher ups and they understand. And I told them, I said, probably the reason why is because I'm, because I'm one of the older senior guys around. I'm the only guy everybody knows. And I know now that I have to, I have to curtail what I do. I understand. I mean, but, it don't take away from my game. It don't take away. I just, I just learned how to just, just to adjust to the situations. I mean, to, to understand that, that I've even asked like some of the older coaches, like coach K and them, how have they adjusted to the new player? Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's the thing is. And when I saw that, I said, Oh, I need, see, nobody had to tell me. Because when I saw it, I said that didn't. I said my optics part of it didn't look good. I can get that, yep. but two, nobody doesn't know like Paul Harvey. They don't know the rest of the story. And then here comes the rest of the story. But see, to the ACC, I give them credit. They all these games got in-house feeds, and they were able to go back and look at the video and say, "Well, okay, well we understand he got fouled here. He ran. Teddy was out of the play. He's over here. Him and Teddy, okay." Did they Boy, talk to Joel Berry? Did they talk that? to Joel Berry, Ted? What's that? Did they talk to Joel Berry? I I think Roy did probably. Yeah. Okay. I think I think the coach Williams probably had That's a talk. That's all you got to do. I mean, yeah. that'd be the first the first thing I do is talk to Joel Berry. What 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 did he think of the whole situation? Right? Like he right. he's the one who had to deal with it. And again, like you said, he made a mistake, but ultimately he can he can talk through the whole situation and what led up to it. And, you know, what surprised me is that you said he was on you that much or he was on you guys. Through the whole game. It was through the whole game about him scoring. You know, yeah. this, that. See, but Joe Berry doesn't know one thing. Back in the day, I probably would have teched him up. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, I, no, I had teched him up when he was doing all this complaining. Right. But the game was going – it was yeah. one of those games that kept going back and forth. Yeah. It kept going back and forth. And yeah. neither coach was saying a word. They weren't saying a word. Seriously. I mean, neither one of them – if I had to do it all over again, I would have gotten to Theo Penson and would have told Theo because I like him. He would have told him. He would have that's told him. That's what I, if I could have got to him, could have got to Theo earlier because Theo was the one that kept everything calm on the bench because when they sit on the bench, yeah. I'd be joking with him during especially when he goes sit down, I'd be he talking to him. Yes. You know, so I always knew the go-to guy. And yep. It was just one of those things yep. with Joe. He just kept going. He was scoring and throwing. Was Hummel the go-to guy? Was Hummel the go-to guy, or was Etuan Moore the go-to guy? What's that? I said, was Hummel the go-to guy, or was Etuan Moore the go-to guy? 
I'm pretty well, I think Robbie at times Robbie didn't say a lot. He did I would just get I would get emotion like Payne would say I'd get emotionally drunk every once in a while. And right. like in the Indiana game, right. I had to be checked. I was emotionally drunk. Well, <laughs> so. but there's nothing wrong with that. But but I learned one thing about Robbie when he was shooting, don't let him up near his arm, you know. So no, uh, I would I would get pissed about that. People right. start hitting my arms or start that's landing right. you my start feet. I'm gonna let you know about it. <laughs> so that's why I never let him get up on his arm. Okay. Seriously. I, I need you to start referencing three on three because these dudes aren't calling shit. So please. Uh, well, hey, hey. I didn't let him get up on his arm because if he didn't get up to his arm, he could get the ball to the rim. Okay. So, so. That's true. <laughs> Actually, you got That's funny you say that because we were playing in Illinois. And end of the game, there's like a minute to go. We're up like two. Brandon Paul's guarding me. I'm backing him down. I shoot a turnaround and he just barely grazes that. And you called a foul at Assembly Hall when a lot of guys That's right. would be way too intimidated to do it. Keep them off they your arms, have, baby. They would never do it. Hey. So thank you. No, no, <laughs> thank no, no, you no. for calling you know your personnel. It was an air ball. No, no. you got to know your personnel. A good ref knows who the shooters are. No doubt. In every game that I ref to this day, I know who the good shooters are. I know who they are. And I know the game goes around them. Seriously. I know where the game goes. I know that if they're a good scorer, you got to keep hardly no contact on them. Because they'll play their game. I mean, they will. I mean, I watch all kinds of stuff. Like, I watch good shooters. I must be an addict when it comes to this game. I watch good shooters. And then when he shoots... Then guys will just hit him on the arm on purpose. Well, guess what I do? Right. I start calling fouls. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Or it's like I when know. they poke you in the stomach or, right. or just like B. weird things B. that can mess with you. Because I start calling fouls because that throws off rhythm. Even though mm-hmm. the ball's gone and, and then I hit you, that throws off rhythm. That's a cinematic. Totally. Okay. Totally. Oh, well, I understand about shooters. I mean, because I had Ray Allen, uh, 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 Paul Pierce, uh, Rip Hamilton. I had those real good shooters, you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. back in the day, okay? Yeah. Uh, J.J. Uh, Reddick. So you always had to know the good shooters. And you, um, uh, the Justin kid from Carolina, uh, um, Dan, uh, Green, all of them. So you always had to know who the shooters were. Because if you knew who the shooters were, because the game will run through them. <laughs> so, so I always knew that. I mean, I mean, I mean, things would go depending on how the shooter would go. Yep. Okay. I wanted to ask you, Ted, just because, and I'm biased to the Big Ten because I played in it, and now I work in it. I I know, like, if you ask all the coaches, they'd be like, we want Ted Valentine to ref in this league because he gets the calls right. If you ask the players, it's the same thing. Will we see you there, and and why don't we see you there? Well, I think you'll see me again in the future, and the reason why. Good. Is is the reason why is – Without getting into it logistically, and I told this to people, I basically took a punishment for leaving the league, basically what it was. Because um, I went back. I was a Big Ten ref for 34 years. Right. Big Ten was what I always knew. My heart always wanted to be ACC guy too, okay? But I decided that. I'd go like to the Big Ten, and I just I just had enough. I mean, like one year, and I, I, I and I tell the truth, 
my last year, they gave me, I can name the games, Michigan, Northwestern. Tough game, overtime. Game was one of those ones that it was like a needle on thread. You know, because you can have ability, but sometimes, you know what, you, got, you need some help out in the wings, too, sometimes, you know, like in these games. I mean, these games aren't easy, okay? Yeah, no. And, and Is this the Northwestern game, game where they clinch to go to the NCAA tournament, where they throw uh, the full-court pass, or uh, a different one? No, was against no. no. It, it, it was when okay. Beeline was coaching them. The game went overtime in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. Oh, okay. The game went, game went overtime. That was a few years ago. I don't know, but wait, with 80? So I've been out of the league. Um, is it 2015, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So so the game was going back and forth. The game went overtime. Game went. Game was something. But Chris Collins went crazy down in the end or whatever it was. But it had nothing to do with me. The next day, I get Michigan, Indiana. Again, Old Depot in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan beats them. Third night, I get Michigan and Purdue. I got Michigan three times in a row in the tournament in a row. Well, I later found out, we see John Beeline was my high school teacher in 10th grade. Oh, really? No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 10th grade. John Beeline was my high school teacher. Okay. What grade, what grade did he give you? C, city teacher. Oh, come okay. on. Yeah, C. I was, a, I was a 10th grader. John Beeline was my civics teacher. See, I, I, see, I keep that story real close, okay? That John Beeline was, okay? And um, so supervisor kept putting me on the Michigan games. I'm going, oh, God, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Then I had Michigan State and Purdue in the championship game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I don't know who the big kid was. I had to make a key call. Like in that game, I had to come across the court and make a call. That, oh, I remember. I was there. Yeah. Was it AJ, AJ Hammonds or? Yeah, I had to come across the court. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? I had to go I across the that. floor yes. and get the play. Okay? Yep, I remember. I had to come across the court and get the play. The other guy was going to let it go. I said, oh, no, we can't let this go. Because he got pushed out of bounds. Yes. And and I don't know. It, was just, it just it all wore on me. And I said, you know what? I can't take this. Because I got, as you get older, you can't, you can't muster up like you used to to all the time. You can't because you don't feel like it. You know, when I was younger in the Big East, I could carry games by myself. I mean, this is the way it was. I could just do it. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. But I was so exhausted. And and, uh, so that's when I decided that I'd go to the ACC. And when I went to the ACC, well, they, you know, because they asked me to come over there and, and uh, I told them. I said, I'm going to be leaving the league. And I'm going to tell you something right now. They're not going to like it. And it was just, a, and then I, I, I saw what was happening like in the league. I could see, I could see what was happening. I started seeing it with the crews. I started seeing it taking lesser crews because, because uh, there were games to get down to the wire and, and I'd take all the, I mean, I would just be a, like, God, if this gets messed up, this is going to be crazy. Because there were some games that went to the wire and guys are blowing the whistle the wrong time and doing all kinds of crazy stuff that I just couldn't take it no more. I mean, so you, I, you just felt, Teddy, more than anything, you just felt like you didn't have enough support. Well, I didn't have enough support, but I just didn't want to be the main guy by yourself. Well, I think that as you get older, you start changing. Because I start looking at, if I start making four, five, six calls in a row, 
I don't want to hear, there he goes again. There he goes again. See, I don't want to hear that. Okay? Now, I might make three in a row, but I don't want to be the guy going, there he goes again. There he goes again. There he goes. And they can be fouls. Yeah. Okay? There he goes again. So now I've learned leasing chum bait out there for somebody to get it. Hey, you get that. You get that. You get that. Yeah. You know, I mean, but but it just get tired after a while because you get tired. I mean, if you played any sports and you were a player, sometimes you want some help. That's just the deal. You just, you just, and it's not a detriment to anybody else. Is that I start looking at my age. I'm, I'm 62 years old now. I don't want to. Yeah, I can carry a game. I can carry it down to the end. You know, I worked Duke Carolina last year. Hey, old Teddy, here we go. I can muster up one game like that. But I, I, but I don't want to Not every day. Up. What's that? Not every day. No, no. That's right. You don't want to muster up every day. You don't. And when you don't, because you start mustering up, then all of a sudden is you start making a lot of mistakes. Then you yeah. start jumping in. Then you start taking over. And then you make mistakes. And then you look like the ass. Yeah. So but will we see I'm, in the Big Ten this year, Ted? Do you think? No, you- I will. I will say something about it. There's some. There's something going on. All right. Some people think I should be retired from the league the right way. Okay. Some okay. of them think that after 34 years, at least if I'm going to go, at least go retire off, yeah. the right way out of the league. Yep. I mean, right. it, 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 I mean, that's how some people feel. You know, um, Coach Painter feels the same way. I know he does. I, I know does. a lot of those guys do. But you know what? But they don't know. When I see them in, in, in these Elite Eight games, I'm not Elite Eight games, but in these uh, ACC Big Ten challenges, I referee them games like the Final Four. Yeah. I do it. And the reason why I do it, because they always go, we miss you. We miss you. Yeah. I make like sure that I'm making your ex girlfriend jealous. You're, you're making hey. that ex just miss you a little more than they would. Hey, when they're playing in these games, I muster up because I show them, okay, this is what you miss. This is what you miss. This is what you miss, okay? But I muster up I mean, for those guys. I mean, I mean, that league there was a great league for me. I mean, because I love the league. I did. I love the league. I, I love the league. I like every coach. It was just one of those ones that it finally came together the way it was. And just, it, I mean, I love Matt. I love Coach Katie. I, I mean, I, I mean, all these guys. I mean, just uh, because I had one of these good re- relationships on the floor with them. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, a lot of people don't know that when you don't have a good working relationship with a coach on the floor, if you can't give him some confidence in you, you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. You're not. And these guys are video watchers too. These guys watch video. No doubt. Okay? And they watch it over and over and over. And that's why I try to tell these young refs, I even know when I go to the SEC, I have to referee them games. I, I even know when I go to AAC, I got to ref those games. Any games on TV, I got to ref those games that week. If I come to you, I got to make sure I have a clean bill of health when about the time I get to you. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want anything over here hanging over here, bringing it here. Well, you're under the spotlight. No, ma- no yes. matter where it is now, you right. know if you're on TV, somebody right. somebody's watching every, every, right. every time. Yeah. So you got to uh, make sure that you're on your game with no these doubt, guys. All the time. All right. Uh, we've already gone like an hour plus. I could go another hour easy, but let, let me hit a couple more quick things. Yeah. Um, one, and, and I think people would want to know this, and, and I want to ask this, 
is for this season, not enough has been talked about, Ted, about what's going to happen with officiating and officials and assignments. And are they going to keep you regionally? I don't know how much you could speak to this right now, but I assume you've been on a lot of calls. What do you think is going to happen? And what do you think should happen this year to, to ensure safety that we can go through all these games and you guys aren't putting yourselves at risk coming down with COVID or or, or whatnot? Well, currently we're taking three tests a week. Okay. There's going to be three. I worked a scrimmage a week ago at Coastal and I took a, I took a test before I went up to, you know, up to Coastal. Um, We're supposed to take a test three days a week. Uh, They're going to try to have the schedule where, it's going to be more regional, more like such as I could be in Charleston a whole bunch. I could go to, I could go to Citadel. I could go to College of Charleston. I can go to South Carolina. I can go to Raleigh. Um, All the, in the car, keeping you yes. in a car. Yes. Um, I've asked to be within a, within a six, seven hour radius. And the reason why I say that is, is that when I go out, I stay and work in that area. Cause I don't see myself basically coming home as much basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I basically can see that. Um, well, your wife's sick of you anyway, right? No, well, yeah. no, she's going to Brazil in in November the one, no, December one until January one. So you know, see her family because it's summertime down there. Yeah. All right. So um, I would hope that they would. They're not going to be able to do that for everybody, but I think that since I'm one of the older members, I think it'll it'll work out good for me. Um, I don't think we'll be working as many games that we did in the past. How will uh, they? How will that? How will they be able to control that without one universal assigner? How can they? They ensure that somebody again. Last year, Roger Aries, I think he was like sixteen straight days. How can they right. ensure that? Well, that's not going to happen this year. Really? It, well, because it can't do with all this COVID, and because each conference is going to have its own guidelines, basically. And then you got to worry about certain guidelines when you go to New York City and go to other places too. So that's a lot of factors involved. Because I'm up, I'm always educating myself on this. Um, uh, there's going to be like, I'm telling you right now, I'll be lucky to see 45 games the whole season. What'd you do last year? Uh, I worked about 80 something until it got stopped, like 80, 86, 87. You're on pace for you're on pace for 90 plus. So half. You're saying you're going to do half. Half. I'm end up doing half. I think because of this COVID, I think that with the way it's going to do, because the schedule is only going to come out like two weeks in advance. Yep. There's not going to be a whole schedule right. at once. They're going to have to go that way. Um, I know they've trimmed some of the rosters. They've had to trim them for this year. Can't use everybody. Um, if you have a school seven times, you got them seven times. That's just a deal, which doesn't bother me because seven right. times is it's cool. Yep. I mean, uh, uh, but – I think that's going to be the way that they're going to have to go. Um, we're going to have to um, carry a mask when I'm garnish around your neck. I think we're going to be able to probably change our clothes in a hotel room and go. Because the reason why is I've come up with myself. If you watch the NFL and all these places, most of these guys are getting this COVID out of facilities. Right. Just about. Okay. So don't even change. So don't even change in, in the, in the, official that's room. right. That's what yeah. I'm doing for my own self. Okay. I'm going to do that myself. Okay. Cause I think the less time you can spend in the facility, the better, better off you are. I mean, like yeah. basically, I mean, you're going to have to be, um, 
it's going to be some – they're going to change some. I would like to see them, like, go to pods of referees. That's what I like to see them do. But, but there's no talk about it. But I like to see them put us within one group. And stay know, with like, that group. Yes. Because – Why not? Right? Why not? Well, that's what I would hope. Because you're going to see some games will probably be worked with two persons this year, too. A lot of games. A lot yeah. of games. Yeah. A lot of games. So, uh, um, no games with one. But – that's why I would feel that if we would go in a pod, yep. then you could avoid a whole lot of that because that way you know where your group is. Right. And your group. See, the problem I got is people coming in, people here. That's the problem that where I got. Okay. Now you got to drive your own car to the game too. Now, so you got to drive your own car. Hundred percent. Where you guys used to share cars and drive. Right. Trips right. Yeah. Yep. From airports. So it's gonna, yeah, it's going to be totally different. It, it, this is going to be different. I mean, it's just going to be the most total different thing. I mean, it, I mean, it's going to be like interesting on November 25. I mean, right now, no basketball schedules will come out. None. I mean, it's just, it, is it we're all behind the eight ball? Because I basically think that they don't know what they're going to do, basically. They don't yet. No, no, no. I mean, um, I've, uh, I've spoken to, to a few coach friends of mine, and they don't know what in the hell they're going to do yet. I mean, they're having a hard time like, putting the schedule together, and they're right. changing schedule. And so this is going to be hard. I mean, um, I think that I think that the NCAA tournament will probably be more of a bubble style when it gets to that. But right now, it's going to be hard getting there. And then they got a got a requirement like on us that you got to referee at least twenty five games to be eligible for for the NCAA tournament. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So so if you catch COVID. You're out. You're in trouble. You might be in trouble because if you test positive, I think you what, guys, set 10 days? Yeah, I think it's yep. 10. And if somebody's in the crew or something happens, it's 14. So, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, like you I mean, said, you got to know everything. And with you, you got to know everything in different leagues, too. Right. That's the hard part. Everybody's yeah. got their own protocols in each yes. league. Yes. 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 I mean, we got virtual, a bunch of virtual calls coming for soon, but, but you just got to know what the protocol is and you got to know what's going on. I mean, yep. you just. I mean, but it's going to change, and you got to take a test. Then you got to make sure it gets back. You got to put a tracking number on it. You know, so you're going to be another another. I mean, that's the thing. Even three days a week, I guess if you're working three days a week, that's a little bit easier. If you're not working six out of seven days, but right, it's going to be tough. Robbie, go ahead, finish up, and then I got I got three quick ones for you at the end, Teddy. All right, yeah, I I just because you mentioned the pods, who would be your dream pod? We'll put you, oh, you're well, obviously in there, but who, like who is that. like the dream pot of oh, officials hey. for Ted Valentine? Myself, my man, Roger Ayers, who I taught. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'd yep. probably have him. Um, let me see. See, Eads is gone now. Yeah. He's not I'm working. Think he's, of, he, 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 he's, how about him but, retiring this early? Come on. He's not that old. Hey, right. Mike Eads, Mike Eads was my camper when I had a camp. Right. Yes, sir. Right? Really? Yes. And you yes, outlasted him. It's a referee camp. He came to my, my, my referee camp was the first camp he came to. Yes, sir, in Pittsburgh. Yep. All right, give us uh, another active guy with Ayers. Who else? Uh, Ayers, I'd say, I can have, now, I can bring some guys to have some fun with. I can have right. Ayers, um, either Ayers, Brian Dorsey, because I got to have fun guys. Yep. I yeah. got to. I got to have fun guys because I can't have one guy on the crew. It's like, oh, it's our plus. I can't be with that guy. You to know? me, I, I think the most fun official that I have I have ever met is Gaffney. 
Oh, yeah. I, I take him in a minute. But see, but he got all them CDC guidelines where he lived, Boston. <laughs> I'm, in, hey, hey, I'm there, too. Don't be yelling at Boston. All right. Take it easy on us up here. Although I am. I, listen, my wife. I, I do that. We, we we may we may have you scout out a place on the water for us in Charleston in December. If I okay. can't anyway, we're gonna get in the yeah. car, take the kid, take the dog. Kid's not in school anyway, right? In December, and uh, and we're gonna be looking for a place that's warm in, in Charleston. All right, I'm gonna give you three rapid fire questions here, and we're gonna end with this. Three rapid fire. All right, number one, your favorite player. To, to deal with over all the years? Who was the guy with the best personality that you knew you could have fun with, shoot the shit with, that you just love to see? Oh, man, let me see here. Hang on a minute. Hang on. I'd have to say, man, I got probably got a couple of them. Jay Williams. Who? I said Jay, Jay Williams. Will Jay Will. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jay Will and Jalen Rose. All right. Yeah. Two guys, two two guys who ended two. up on ESPN. Yeah. They could talk. They could talk. Yeah. Who who's the coach you want to see now? The active coach that you're just like, I know I can have fun going back and forth with. Oh well, hey, I can think of a whole, a whole bunch of dudes. Um, I don't have one, but these would be all AARP members since yeah. we're all members. Okay, I'd have yeah. Beheim. Yep. I would have Shashevsky. Uh, Roy Williams. Um. See Mike Bray, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Larinaga, Leonard Hamilton. They're all in the seventies. You hit the whole Cliff Ellis. Hey, you might as well hit all the seventies. That's right. We can't do it. Tom Izzo. <laughs> okay. See, I, I guess they within my group here because they're the AARP members. All right. Who, who's the 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 coach who intimidates officials on the whole the most in the country? Not you. But overall, who's the any. guy? I don't have any. I can't think of anybody. Hang on a minute. Who's the guy that they're just intimidated by? Young guys are just intimidated by just by stepping on the court. Who's the most intimidating coach? Well, Again, really not to anybody. you. Who would be? Is it Kay? Is it Huggins? No. No. Uh, no. Because, see, Hugs deals well with the older people. Is it, Hur- is it one of the Hurleys? Let me think. See, I had on the sideline, but they're always good to me. I'm trying to think where I've seen them get after people. See, I'm trying to think of the guys that, that I deal with, a whole bunch of them. I'm, I'm thinking more of the younger guys, the younger officials, when they come in, who, who intimidates them. Who's that guy? Is it Kay? Just because I think it's Hugs after a after like I think about that Kansas game, and I'm not saying it'd be to you, Ted, but to to people that maybe he's not feeling as much. I think it'd be Hugs. Hugs can get off on you now because I've had 30 year relationship with him. You know, yeah. so I mean, I mean, I've had 30 years of of relationship with Hugs. I mean, uh, when I have Hugs, it's yelling and screaming and cussing. I do do just as much as he does. Yeah, I mean, like you have to. I've been for thirty years. Yeah. Thirty years. You fight fire with fire. I think that's the yeah, only way I mean, to do it. And I've never teed him or nothing like that. You know, I just that's, so, that's surprising. Like, that's huh? surprising. You've never teed I've Bob Huggins. I go back when he had Van Axel in the game. Yeah, that's how far back. I've never had the T Bobby. I've I've cussed him. <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> I've been up on cussing him. Okay, because this is how he is. I mean, I mean, 
I've cussed him, and we still cuss each other to this day. I mean, when I see him, I mean, but it's just it's just one of those mutual things. Uh, uh, Who do you think you've hit with the most tees? Do you, is there a chart anywhere of, of the guy you hit with the most tees in your career? I would say the late Skip Prosser. Really? No. Really? Skip yeah, Prosser? That is shocking. Because I referee Skip's games when he was in high school. He caught he, uh, he, Oh, so he yeah, time, time around yeah. you was yeah. the reason. He just yeah. he uh, exposed to you the longest. Yeah, we see, I worked my first high school game at Skip Prosser's gym. Wow. Because we're from the same area. And Skip was great, though. Skip was like the nicest human uh, being Sometimes, ever. though. He get that merchant marine come out at him. All right, all right. Okay, and I'd light him up, hit him with a technical, and then I'd turn around next game, hit him with another one. Really? In fact, I had him in the NCAA tournament one time. I was at Auburn Hills, and they were playing UCLA with Steve Lavin, and he had Posey and all them guys. I called five texts on his team that day. Did you really? I had a fever of a hundred of a hundred. Sitting under the stanchion of a, of a first round game, I called five texts, and Dino got it. I called five texts on Skip's team. I did. I called five. I did on five. I called five. Okay, and then finally, Skip threw out the white flag. He said, "We're going to we're going to stop." He did because 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 Dino because I know Dino got here very well. He said, "Skip, Skip, we got to stop because Teddy ain't going to change for us." He said, "We got to stop." Okay, gonna yeah. keep coming. Yeah, he just keep. Yeah, but I say it that the. Skip Prosser, because I love Skip. I always yeah. did. Uh, in fact, Mark Prosser and, and his brother, I watched them grow up as babies. Wow. Because we're all from the same area. All of us was. Uh, all, of, all of us are from I the same I love Skip. Man, Skip yeah, was yeah. fun. He was just yeah, – Skip was, he had that personality, too. He did. Some to him that you didn't always know, but, like, he was so – I don't know. I miss, was, I miss Skip a lot. He, a lot. Hey, him and Dino – because we're all from the same area, and I got into college basketball first. And him and Dino would take – they would drive to Notre Dame every summer. And that and that's how they got hooked up with Pete Gillum. Really? Really? Yeah, they would go to Notre Dame every summer. They were the only coaches leave the area. I'd be going to camp and doing all this stuff, but they were the only coaches in the area that would go every summer to Notre Dame. And that's how they hooked up with, hooked up with Peter Gillum. Well, listen – we appreciate you coming on. This was uh, fun. way better. I mean, we could have gone another hour easy. I don't know about Rob. Easy. I, I could have listened. No, totally. I, I could ask him more fun. questions. Shoot, that's fun, boy. I shoot. We're going to do it again. Doing... Seriously, we're going to do it again. Maybe during the season, we could even do kind of yeah. what it's like this year in COVID. Yeah. You know, everything going yeah, sure. on. Yeah, sure. I'll share some stories with you about what's going on out there. Perfect. Perfect. And I mean it. I may be down there in December. I may have you scout out a place on the beach, but I don't I will get Valentine money either. So you got it. We, we well, gotta, I don't have no Valentine money either. Shoot. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm just surviving. Okay. But that, listen. But I enjoyed this. This was fun. I appreciate it. I know Rob yes, does thanks, too. Ted. This is terrific. And, See, Robbie, uh, you found out I'm not big asshole you think I am. No, you? I never thought that. I I always thought you were <laughs> you were a straight shooter, Ted. I I knew how it was. No. Okay. No. Great. Hey, I I gotta tell you a story. Who was the Doyle? You know Doyle? Timmy Doyle? Well Yeah, let me tell you a story about him real quick I'll let you go. Please do that. I can't wait. He's at Ohio State one night, Doyle. And uh they're playing and they're going back and forth and Doyle's playing pretty good. Okay. <laughs> He's playing pretty good. And all of a sudden he says, 
come on, Ted, come on. I said, what? What do you want? Okay, because the players are like, that always knew to call me on the first name. I said, what do you want? He goes, hey, man, I need six more points, and I get laid. I get laid when I get back. <laughs> he said, you what? He says, I need six more points. And he said, and I figured you were the veteran in that he says, you know our team ain't very good. And you're good. Okay. Okay. It's a true, true story. Okay. So I totally like, believe this. No, he, no, no it's hundred percent true. Okay. Not He's now. married now. He go to go and get a little ticket. Go score a goal. Okay. <laughs> I did. Score a goal. Okay. So he winks at me. Okay. That is. Kill so That's now phenomenal. he comes down again. Five minutes later, he very bumped up. Boom, scored a goal. Okay. So, so now he gets six. Okay. He looks at me and winks again. Okay. <laughs> so now game goes on. I said, so now he's standing by me. He goes, yeah, man, it's going to be a good time tonight. Okay. It's going to be a good time when I get back. Okay. So now, so now he goes to the goal. I go, boom, scored again. He, he looked at me. I go, that's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Tim was Tim is a clown. Tim is a total clown. Oh man, he probably one of the funniest dudes, boy. He was all Ever. funny. I, I visited I visited Northwestern and it's me, Scott Martin, and a kid named Mike Bazookas who ended up going to DePaul. We're off North Indiana. We're going up there. It's my June, it's my my first time visiting. I, we might have been even like end of our sophomore years. We were young. We walk into the locker room, we're gonna change, we're gonna play pickup. And Tim <laughs> This is the first time I met this dude. He is sitting in a chair in the Northwestern locker room, no towel on, nothing. Leg crossed over, laid back. What's up, guys? I'm I'm Tim. Like didn't didn't cover up. Didn't I love telling the story? And he'll love that I told it because he thinks it's so funny. But he he was just like, I'm Tim. This is who I am. Welcome oh, yeah. to Northwestern. And none of us went there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, Ted. We'll okay. let you go. Uh, be safe. Okay. You really, really you enjoyed it. Me. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Ted. Appreciate it. That was awesome. Thanks. Stay in touch. I'll see you. We'll do you it. Man, Sounds good. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.